you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome back to The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And as you know, if you listen for a while, I like to mix things up on this show. Uh, I do interviews with people that I connect with that I find are interesting and can help all of us on our journey, as well as a lot of solo episodes and even some rebroadcasts from interviews that I've done on other shows. And today I have a really great interview to share with you. This is a conversation I had with a friend named Raj Jana. And if you haven't heard of Raj, Raj is an impact-driven entrepreneur. He's a keynote speaker, a media host who's passionate about using capitalism and business as a vehicle to make the world a brighter place. Raj started his own fraternity in college, built a seven-figure side hustle while working a full-time job, and quit the corporate world to create a life that expresses who he wants to be. I'm kind of in awe of all he's done by the age of, I think he's 28 or 29, He built a coffee company on the side after his mentor died, and he decided he didn't want to work in the corporate world anymore. Since launching in 2015, Raj has helped over 250,000 individuals use coffee as a vehicle to achieve more daily fulfillment, growing the company to seven figures in less than 12 months while he worked a full-time corporate job. His company and work have been uh, endorsed by Draymond John of Shark Tank and featured in Forbes, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, and various other news outlets. Raj is also the founder of Stay Grounded, a global podcast, education platform, and social media movement. And the Stay Grounded podcast, by the way, it's uh, he's had some phenomenal guests on there. And he once made a mistake and had me on there as well. Uh, so you can go find that one. It was about a year ago when I was on the Stay Grounded podcast, and I was finally able to reciprocate and have Raj on this one. The cool thing about this is uh, Raj is someone who's out there. You can probably find, you know, listen to his podcast or find a lot of interviews with him about success and things like that. I wanted to dig in to one of my favorite topics, of course, which is fear. And so in this interview, of course, I asked Raj about his story and how he built his coffee company, especially how how he went about researching and figuring out what business he wanted to start, how he did that on the side. And by the way, he did a lot of research. This is not one of those magical stories where something just comes to you and then you start a multi-million dollar business. He did a lot of research. He invested in a lot of courses and uh, finally decided on the market. And then he still had a lot of fear. He still had a lot of fear. And so I asked him about that. And we talk a lot about fear in this episode. Uh, and so if that's something you're working on, trying to get over, trying to starve those fears, this will be a good one for you because Raj provides so much inspiration. And all I ask of you is listen, receive, be inspired, and do not compare yourself because we are all on our own journeys. And Raj is on his and I am on mine, and you are on yours. And so, without further ado, here is my interview with Raj Jana from Stay Grounded. Raj, what's up, man? Welcome to the Andy Storch Show. What's up, brother? It's good to be here. It's great to be here. We met when you reached out to me many months ago to be a guest on your podcast, and I was... I would say, I would say... Over a year ago. Was it over it's a year a ago? Minute, man. It's been fun watching your journey. It's been fun watching your show grow. And I'm just excited to reconnect and powwow, man. Yeah, same. I mean, you have an amazing journey and watching you from afar has been great. And finally being able to reciprocate and get you back on here. And of course, the longer we wait, the more things we accomplish, which is cool. 
let's start with a little bit of your background, who you are and, and how you got to where you are today. Who is Rajana? Uh, who is Rajana? Man, that's a loaded question. I'm going to do my <laughs> best to not butcher that one. I think that that's evolved over time. Um, started out as a petroleum engineer. Petroleum engineer turned curious side hustler and entrepreneur, uh, which turned into CEO, which then turned into podcaster, which then turned into writer, which then made me realize that I've always been a son and a brother and a friend. And so I think uh, it's been a fun journey kind of coming back to remembering just all the different things that I love doing and all the different things I've been doing. But yeah, at the core heart of it, I'm an entrepreneur. I love building businesses that make the world better, that make people happier, that that create value uh, in many ways. And so at the heart of it, I think I'm just a, a really passionate, creative entrepreneur. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think I am as well, but it took a long time to discover that. Uh, how did you discover that? Time. You got a degree in one of the most lucrative you know, fields that you can get into as a petroleum engineer and were making great money out of college and then you left the corporate world to go start your own thing. What's the story behind that? How did that happen? Yeah, so I uh, initially, petroleum engineer, graduated college, doing really well, making over six figures, but I was a lot of student debt. Obviously, going from college, uh, really having the freedom, and I was in a lot of extracurricular activities. I was exploring entrepreneurial ventures already, and then I came to work full-time, and I kind of felt stunted. Like, I was going in, working on projects that didn't really light my soul on fire, I was at the mercy of someone else. Like even my success was at the mercy of someone else thinking I did well enough. And so just felt a lot of, I felt my ceiling and I felt trapped and it just wasn't what I wanted. And that's when I ran across the four hour work week, which was the first book that really kind of opened it up for me. I feel like that's like the, yep, the saving yes. grace for just about almost every entrepreneur in some way, shape or form. For sure. Uh, and that book had a really powerful impact on me. The first time I read it, it just kind of made me realize how much I didn't know. And then I got really curious about online marketing and like this whole world of podcasts and YouTube channels and courses and learning. So I got really interested in just kind of personal development. And so I started buying my first entrepreneur courses, everything from drop shipping to how do you start a software company from scratch to how do you become a consultant to I just started buying all these courses because I was just obsessed with learning trying a bunch of different side hustles. Nothing really worked until I discovered how to launch physical products online. And I bought this course and we launched my first company, Java Press. That was in September of 2015. We launched our first products when I was still working full time. And that's really what kind of started the journey. That's really the first project that ended up picking up traction and really creating and just kind of validating the fact that I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I like the the fact that you know, throughout this journey, you are trying to figure this out. It's not like things just worked right away and you're buying these courses. You didn't make this stuff up on your own. What was the products course that you bought? You want to give uh, any credit to uh, anybody who created Yeah, it? I mean, the guy who made a guy named Miguel Estrella, he still creates product uh, in smaller batches. Like he's a really small Amazon community that brings people in. Mm. Um, but when I first started, like that opened the door. But after I realized that physical products were actually going to work for me. Like that was my model to success. There's a lot of different models for success. And I think yeah. it's really important for anybody watching or anybody listening to get clear on what works for you. 
Like I had no idea what my skill sets were and I had no idea what I was good at. And so I bought everything and I tried everything. And in the process of trying on different things and tasting different flavors, I realized and found my niche and what I was good at. And that was creating brands. Like that's what I was truly good at. And so once I realized what I was truly good at and what I was finding momentum with, then I just went and bought every course on physical products. Hmm. Like I doubled down. So instead of now like going wide and trying to taste a bunch of different flavors and a bunch of different styles of business, it became very clear that, okay, I needed to master everything about this one type of business, everything from sourcing to branding, to cash flow to marketing, to how do you optimize customer psychology, to building assets, but everything related to that one type of business. And so that's really how the kind of obsession turned. It started with curiosity and then it like became more focused curiosity around like, all right, I found this thing that really works. How can I get as curious as possible about this one thing yeah. so that I can develop mastery over uh, something that I know I'm actually good at? And you were willing to, one thing I'm really impressed with is you were willing to invest so much. And I don't know how much these courses were, maybe you can share, but you're willing to invest in this kind of alternative education, if you will, right away, where a lot of people like myself coming from a traditional background thought, oh, if it's not in a college, I'm probably not going to pay for something like that to learn. Well, I think that I was just so shocked with some of the results I was seeing in those communities. I mean, I was seeing the first guy I ever met was a guy who sold bacon online. He was making like 30 or 40 grand a month selling bacon online while I was struggling to like figure things out. And I'm like, this is, I have something wrong here. I did something wrong. Right. Like it doesn't matter like what the traditional path says. When you meet somebody who makes a ton of money selling bacon online, like it kind of opens your eyes. Like, wow, that's such a simple thing. Like I have friends that sell socks online. I have friends that sell sunglasses online. I have friends that sell anything and everything online. And like, it kind of just made me like realize like, oh my God, this expensive degree that I paid for to become this prestigious engineer was awesome societally. Like it made my parents very proud, but it wasn't giving me the freedom and the fulfillment and honestly, the leverage I wanted to build long-term wealth. And so I think that when I realized that, that's when I started just, I threw away the traditional notion that I had to do things the way that everyone else was doing them. And I started looking for better mentors and I started looking for better examples to follow. And those examples that I found were the ones like Tim Ferriss, were the ones like Smart Passive Income with, you know, with Pat Flynn or like all these different podcasts and all these different ideas around how to really generate wealth online. And I think that's really what kind of made it tick for me. And honestly, like I realized pretty early on that, so like I made pretty good money. I had a six figure job right out of school. So obviously I had more disposable income than the average human being, right? So I think that there's, it's really important to mention that, but also like, I mean, I was also maxing out my 401k at the time. And what I realized was that like, the reason I was maxing out my 401k was honestly to get the tax write-off. Yeah. But I could actually take the same cash I was putting into my 401k and just spend totally. it on courses and get the same tax write-off. Right. And that would be what, a 10,000% ROI versus a 7% ROI over year over year? So like, yes. I kind of did the math and I was like, you know, if I just do this for a year... I give this entrepreneur thing, this heavy, just dedicate myself yeah, 100%. Well, and just, if I, if I lose a year off my 401k, whatever, it doesn't matter. At least I learned a ton. At least I tried a ton. And right. at least I know more and I'm better off where I started or better off where, than where I started. Yeah. So I think that was the mentality in the beginning. I, I love that. And again, like, yes, you had some extra disposable income, but you also had the mindset to go out and do that. A lot of people wouldn't. I think at that age, I probably wouldn't have either. 
But now I'm 100% behind that. I don't put anything in retirement. I put everything back into building my business and my personal development and personal brand because I know it's going to have a much higher ROI. And I didn't get into physical products. I love what you said about the guy with bacon. My moment, I think, of like shock and realization was I was visiting a friend a couple of years ago and his buddy came over and uh, the guy was selling basically like apparel and paraphernalia for dachshund owners, like people who love dachshunds. And he was just making all this stuff and then sending it out to these influencers on Instagram who in the dachshund community and was making thousands of dollars. And I asked him, do you have a dachshund? He said, no, I don't have a dachshund. I just got into this because I saw an opportunity and I was like, oh my God. That's it. That's the key word. I saw an opportunity. Right. Right. Like most people don't like they see the opportunity and they call it stupid Mm -hmm. or not worth my time or like anybody can do that. Well, great. Then do it. Like this (laughs) is the most amazing time in history right now where you can actually start something like this with a few hours a week. You don't have to go full time and risk everything and start to become an entrepreneur. You can test drive things. And like, it's just such an amazing time to be alive and like a time where you can test drive entrepreneurship to see if it's for you, right? And then you can give it a shot. If it's not for you, you can go back to doing whatever the hell you were already doing. Yes. But that's the beautiful part, right? Like, it's just, it's amazing. We can try it. Well, speaking of that though, like the dachshund thing, bacon, kind of a niche, you ended up getting into coffee, which, you know, my reaction to that would be. Well, I mean, people have been selling coffee for generations. There's millions of coffee companies. Like what opportunity is there in coffee? So why did you settle on coffee and how did you, and you, you were successful pretty quickly with that. Yeah. So the first course that I really started investing my time in that I thought I would really like was a course that taught people how to start a software company from scratch. And the premise of the course was find a market that has money, call them and like, just talk to the people who run those businesses, see what their biggest pains are validate the pain across multiple people and then develop a solution that fixes those pains and then have them pay to develop the solution because it's so painful. So that was the whole model. And I was like, this is great. I don't have to do a damn thing. I just have to be middleman. I can do this. So I went in there and the first industry I ever picked were, was breweries. Why? For no other reason other than the fact that I liked beer. That's it. So I was like, I like drinking beer. I like drinking beer with my friends. And I kind of want to hang out with people that love drinking beer too. So I'm going to go and try and fix a problem in the brewery industry. So I got a list of like 2000 brewers all over the country. And during my lunch break, I would just cold call them and ask them questions. And I would just, you know, some of them would tell me to go away. Some of them would tell me, spend hours with me on the phone talking about their biggest problems. Hmm. And eventually I created the solution. But when I went back to the brewers and I asked them for money to fix the solution, even if it was so painful, they all mentioned that, oh, Raj, we don't have money. Right. Because we just emptied out our 401ks to start this brewery. Right. And I realized that 95% of brewers didn't have money to pay. It's a hobby like all, business. They got into right? it because they love it and it's yeah, not good for them. Exactly. And so that was like the big kind of lesson I, I had in business and just that I followed my passion. Mm. And following your passion isn't always the best thing to do when you're first starting out because you're blinded by emotion. And in the beginning, it's so much more important to learn sound business principles that you can then apply later on in things you're passionate about. Like once you learn business, it's a lot easier to get into things you're passionate about because you know how to turn those things into, you know, income producing assets. But I didn't know that at the time. So when I then bought the physical product course, I told myself, there's no way I'm going to get into any industry that isn't rooted in logic. 
Hmm. that isn't rooted in something sound and something real and something where like, if I worked really hard, it was a guarantee that I was going to be successful. Now, after doing a ton of research and a ton of like, I actually wrote a really long article on this. I'm happy to send it to you and your audience um, on like how I chose the coffee industry. It's a really, really, really in-depth process of looking at Amazon bestsellers. What were the top selling products across all the categories? Looking at Google trends. What were the trends that were continuing to just go up and up and up? Mm-hmm. You know, keyword research. I, I mean, I looked at competitors. I looked at what people were doing well, what they weren't doing well. I went to Kickstarter, what products were getting funded. And after doing all of this, I landed in coffee. And the reason I ended up going in coffee was because to me, coffee is like a giant loaf of bread. It's such a big industry. It doesn't matter if you're slicing the loaf, if you are the loaf, or if you're just cleaning up crumbs on the side, if you do a good job at whatever role you play in this industry, you will be yeah. successful because it is just such a massive industry. And I wanted to go into an industry that was honestly like a guarantee. If I figured out how to be the best marketer, if I figured out how to be the best competitor, if I figured out how to serve my audience the best, there's no way that I would have a problem like I did with the brewers. Yeah. Like that's what I really wanted. And so that's why I picked a really competitive niche or a competitive industry. And then I found my niche inside of that competitive industry that had a large enough audience of people that I could serve and build my own little moat inside of. And I mean, if you look at coffee, like there's, dude, there's so many businesses in coffee. Yeah. And that's by design. That means that people are paying for coffee. People aren't married to one brand. Right. Right. Like there's so much opportunity for newcomers to enter the space. And I think that's what I was really excited about. I wanted a space where a newcomer could come in and pick up traction really fast. And coffee ended up being that for me. Yeah, which makes sense. And there's all different tastes and types and people that want different things out of coffee. And there's so much opportunity. And I'm always trying new coffees. So exactly. That's my point. Like you're never satisfied. Like I find myself like I'm not even satisfied. I have a coffee company now and like we have a brewer's choice, which is like a rotating coffee of the month. Like that's my choice. Like I don't want to stick to like one coffee roast, one thing coming in every day because like, but that's coffee. Same thing with beer. If you think about the beer consumer, same way. Oh yeah. Like a lot of people that are like in craft beer, like you may like IPAs, but every time you go somewhere, you like trying different kinds of IPAs. Right. Right. right? So it's, it's the same model. And so I I saw that early on, I think in coffee and I saw a long-term upside from that. Like if I worked really hard and I figured this out, like worst case, I would have a decent business that's making money. Best case, I'd have a slam dunk. And I think those are the types of bets that I was ready to make at that point in my life. Yeah. And and it was really successful. And you did your, it sounds like you did a lot of homework to make sure you're going into the right space to learn how to do it. But still, uh, one of the things that I love to talk about in this show is fear and helping people starve their fears to to really follow their dreams. And uh, I think a lot of people even uncover ideas like that, but then they don't ever do it because they're so afraid of failing or afraid of judgment from their family or friends, you know, what they might say to them. So you sound like you were pretty confident going into this, or at least you had the mindset of like, Hey, I got to give it a shot. No big deal. Did you have any fear throughout that process? And you know, how did you get past that? Or, or why didn't you, if you didn't? Of course I had fear. <laughs> like, and I'm human, man. Like everybody has fear. Like, you know, the whole concept of being fearless. Yeah. I think it's it's a great aspirational place to be. But the opposite of fear is just courage. That's it, right? Yeah. Like acting in the face of fear. That's yeah. really where where yes. the meat is, right? Like you're going to feel the fear, you're going to do it anyways. That's right. Um in the very beginning, I had an experience with fear that made me kind of change the way that I looked at fear. And this was when I was doing the whole brewery thing. 
I was cold calling. This is before I'd done my first cold call. I was terrified of cold calling. Yeah. Call I'm getting thing. nervous just you talking about cold calling breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole 2000 breweries thing, like, yeah, that took me a while to get to. After a while, I was a machine. Like, I knew right. exactly the script. I knew how to do it. But, like, in the very beginning, I was absolutely terrified. I procrastinating making my first call for a while. And I had an accountability buddy. Hmm. And, you know, we were kind of doing this together. And he was like, hey, Raj, by this week, you got to do this. Or, like, he was like, you got to shave your head. And like, you know, post a picture on Facebook or something. And, and I was like, man, I don't want to do that. All right, I'll do this. Cause I knew I wanted to do it. I was just being a baby about it. Yeah. And so, so I went out and I made my first cold call and I remember making that call being so terrified, so yeah. terrified. Yeah. And I talked to the first guy and like, I thought he was going to yell in my face and all this. I thought I was going to die. Like, I think that's what fear, like, right. Like the fear exists because it thinks you're going to die. Like yeah. that's really it. Like there's yep. no other reason it exists, right? right? And any situation it hasn't handled yet, your mind automatically associates it as something that's like, oh, I haven't right. experienced this yet. So there's a possible likelihood of me yeah. dying. Right. But when you experience it, and even if it's a rejection, even if it's like a rejection or if it's like a no, or if it didn't go as well as you planned, as long as it's not, I died. Right. <laughs> right. As long as it's not yeah. death. There's this massive, like almost release of like fear, and it turns into this like really giddy sort of butterfly excitement. Yep. And that's what happened on my first cold call. Like I called the guy and I talked to him, and he was like, Hey man, look, you seem like a nice guy. I don't have time right now. So maybe try calling me next week. And like he said it really short and blunt. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Thank you for answering. Anyways, bye. And I hung up. Yeah. When I hung up, I was like so energized. And it was the first time I'd ever tasted the greener grass on the other side of fear. Hmm. It was the first time I ever tasted this like flip side of fear when like you lean into fear and on the other side, it's just a massive amount of relief and just knowing that everything you actually feared was not real. Yeah. So that I always remember that story in any moment. And to this day, that's the first like most like exhilarating release of fear. The second time was probably like stand-up comedy. That was like the most like, fear driven thing. But ever since then, I've always had this kind of feeling with fear where like, I feel the fear. Yeah, That means I have to do it because the fear is trying to teach me something. And I wouldn't feel fear if it wasn't actually trying to wake something up, a more vibrant emotion. Because yep. on the other side of fear is always that, like that excitement or that, that energy that's just beautiful. So yep. I think that was always that for me. Like I read a really good book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Yep. And in that he talks about like just resistance. He calls fear resistance. And I, I love that because anytime you feel resistance to doing something, that's usually like the, that's the thing you should do. If you feel scared about asking that girl out, you should go talk to her. If you feel yeah. scared about starting that business, you should probably try it. If you feel yeah. scared about getting in shape, it's probably where you should go. Hmm. So usually fear is a, fear is your friend. And uh, I think over time I started associating it with that. And so I got better at just doing things anyways, but I've never actually gotten rid of fear. It's just, right. I've learned to interpret it as something else. Now fear is like this, almost like this focusing agent. Like when yeah. I feel scared, it's like, oh man, something great's about to happen. Like I, like we're <laughs> speaking, speaking is a big one. Like, like I feel nervous when I'm about to go speak. Like I'm like, oh, like, are they going to receive me well? Like, ah, oh, this stuff. But then like, you kind of lean into it and you allow that fear to wake up the parts of you that actually make you great. Mm. Right. That 
fear is like adrenaline and it's that your heart's pumping. And there's like this really calm, serene focus that comes on the other side of fear. And I think now my body has naturally after years of, you know, training it, but I think now it's, it's started to train and understand that fear just means something great's about to happen. I like that. Fear just means something great is about to happen. And I like what you said about, you know, our caveman brains don't really differentiate between uh, life and death situations and social situations. And so we go to that death, you know, and we freeze up. And I've talked about this in the past. And I learned from, I bought a course uh, run by uh, Larry Yach, who's been on your podcast and been yeah. on podcast a couple of times as well. Good dude, good dude. Um, one of the things that he talks about or talked about in that course was, you know, fear is the perceived lack of control. And the more you lean into that courage, you know, there's no such thing as being really fearless, but courage is addressing that fear, taking action anyway. And that the more we do that, we gain experience and experience gives us confidence, which gives us more perceived control, which means we're less afraid of it. And now you're probably a lot, it's probably a lot easier now for you to pick up the phone and, and make a cold call, right? Than it was before versus, you know, I don't do a lot of that. So I still get a little bit afraid. And your story about you hanging up from the cold call energized it reminded me so funny. Just today, I had one of these situations and people you know, know me for this phrase, starve your fears. And uh, some people I'm always afraid might assume that I am fearless, which is far from the truth. I'm always addressing these fears. And I had a situation today where uh, I had to let somebody on my team go. I decided that you know she wasn't doing the job well and I needed to move in a different direction. And I was terrified to call her because I'm such a people pleaser and I didn't want yep. to do it. But as soon as I did and we got off the phone, I just felt so much better. And I was like energized, like, oh, I can do this. And I'm, I'm taking my business in the right direction. This is good. Yeah, you feel good. Because again, fear is not real. So when you go to the other side of fear and you experience what is real, which mm-hmm. is your business is going to do better, yep. which is you made the right decision, which yep. is you've been fair to other employees. Now you're just reinforcing the decision and the reality that like, it's just, it's almost like you're, you're putting these deposits in of like, like truth versus BS. Yeah. And then eventually like you start to just discern it automatically. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. Like I, I really enjoy doing things that I am terrified of doing. Like (laughs) I enjoy it. And it's actually funny. Like in the past, I used to seek that out. Mm -hmm. I used to really seek things that were like scary. And like, if I wasn't doing things I was scared of, then I wasn't growing. Yeah. I remember but I when think you did I, the stand-up comedy, which is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That was all, like 12 minutes, my first time. Like that was unreal. Eternity. <laughs> so leading up to that one, that was actually pretty interesting. Like leading up to that experience, I still remember, I've never felt more fear than I ever have in my life. Mm. Like the person who had gone before me, like she didn't get as many laughs as I thought she would. And so like, Dude, I started blacking out. Like I forgot my lines. Like, and I'd practice so much. Like, you know, with stand-up, you have to actually memorize everything. It's not really like a yeah, you improv a little bit and you kind of, you know, adjust on the fly. But for the most part, like you know your lines and you know your jokes. And so, like, I had everything memorized and I forgot all of it. And I was like freaking out. I was breathing really heavy. I was like nervous, nervous, nervous. I felt a level of fear I've never felt in my life. And then I went on stage and I gave my first joke. I delivered it. And that's all I did. I just, I just delivered the first joke. I heard one laugh and that was it. And then the, again, the green grass came back That's all you needed. Oh. And, I, and I felt this like massive rush. Then it was like just swelling confidence. And that was just, I've never felt that before either. Huh. See, I think 
I think we, most human beings, and like we do this because we're trained to, to survive, we play inside of this middle ground. We're just constantly following this middle ground and we don't necessarily go too high and we don't necessarily go too low because it's safe to be here. Yep. But when you start to taste the duality of life, right? When you start to go to the darkness and then you mm-hmm. jump over to the light, or when you start to go to the high times and then you experience extreme lows, it's almost like the contrast there allows you to truly not fear being alive, mm. right? Like when you don't fear fear and you don't fear having it all, yeah. now you're allowing yourself to experience the full range of life. And I think that's really what we're all here to do. We're all here to live lives, live exciting, not even exciting, but lives that make us feel something, right? That, that yep. feels significant or feel energizing or feel joyful or fulfilled. I think at the end of the day, we're all looking for that. And I think the simplest way to really get started on that is to follow your fears and, and allow your fears to then open up the green side of grass, which is tasty and beautiful. And then as you pursue that life, you're going to find new fears, which are going to be bigger. And then you're going to experience those fears. And then you're going to go back to the green side of grass. And then you're just going to keep going back and forth. Right until you just experience a whole set of experiences. You just have a whole range of stories and experiences about how you faced fears and then how shit went well and then how everything broke and how you came back on top. And that dance is, I think, something that I'm personally, in my life, inspired to make the most of. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And it's how you continue to grow and get better and, and build that set of experience and the other thing you made me think of, you talked about you know, leading up to stand-up comedy, which I haven't done. I've thought about it and I would be terrified as well, is that uh, Will Smith has a really cool video about the first time he went skydiving. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have. I love it. Uh, I, I watched it when about. I went skydiving for the first time a year ago. And uh, it's a phenomenal short video. And it, it basically, the, the point is that we spend most of our time, most of our fear happens before the thing that we're afraid of afraid of what might happen. And then once we get there, it's totally fine. So I went skydiving. All the fear was go leading up to the actual jump. And then once we jumped, it was like bliss. Like, oh, this is great. Not afraid at all. You know, same with you with stand-up comedy. Most of the fear before you got on stage, once you got the first joke out, it's like, okay, I'm here. I can do this. Nobody's going to kill me. And I can get through this. And, and you feel that bliss. Well, here's the thing. Like, all your fears are either happening in the future or in the past. Yep. Right? But here's the thing, all your thoughts of the future and your thoughts of the past are happening right now. Mm-hmm. So once you realize that and you realize that if your fears of the future, which is anxiety, oh my God, I can't, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? That actually hasn't happened yet. It's actually just happening right now. So they're not real. <laughs> That's right. Or your fears of the past, which is usually you repeating a story or you making the same mistake again right? Again, that's not happening yet. It just happened in the past. And so when you, I think one of the purest sort of kind of antidotes to fear is, is presence. Yeah. I think when you, when you get present and when you get curious with like what's real, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you really drop back in, like in fear doesn't exist in this moment. It does not. Like, I mean, if you, the universe, the world was there before we were alive. It'll be there after we're alive. Right. And life will be happening whether we feel fear or not. Yep. Fear yep. is something I think that we just created. It's a survival mechanism. 
and it served its purpose. It serves its purpose in a very, very, very great way. But I think that part of life mastery is learning how to become friends with fear. Because when you become friends with fear, then it becomes a tool and an asset and the compass it's supposed to be instead of the debilitating factor that it's become in most people's lives. Yeah. Friends with fear. I like that. Reminded me of something I heard recently in a yoga class I was in. Someone said, and I think it was a quote from the Dalai Lama, that uh, there are only two days that you can't change, yesterday and tomorrow. So Mm. you got to stay focused on today. Um, But speaking of yesterday, you did uh, a great podcast episode and an article, I think, recently about your lessons from the last decade. And I wonder if you'd share some of your biggest lessons from the last decade. I think speak to a lot of the lessons you've been learning on your journey about business and life. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons that continues to show up for me in every way is that everything in life is happening for you. I think I've become a very, very, very strong believer in that. And uh, 10 years ago, I was 19 or 18. So I'm 28 now. So 10 years ago, I was 18. I just graduated high school, freshman in college, kind of lost actually, because in high school, I was a state ranked tennis player. And, you know, I really wanted to go play in college. And I made the decision at the time because I was smarter and I got better grades than I was at tennis. So like I got into better academic schools. So I put up my racket. And I had a lot of regret. I was just pissed off and really angry and just, you know, I had a lot of resentment towards that decision. But looking back on that, because I left and I didn't pursue tennis, I had to find another obsession, which became me launching a fraternity at at UT. Like I started my own fraternity there with a bunch of guys, which really was my first stint into entrepreneurship. So if I would have gone and played tennis, I wouldn't have the life I have today. If I would have made the choice to not read a certain book, I wouldn't have the life I have today. If I wouldn't have experienced massive rock bottoms, which would have forced me to pivot and go and change the direction of my business, I wouldn't be in business today. So I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is just that you know everything in life is a gift. And one of the best things I can do in my life is just be curious about the gifts that are showing up. Think about this. If a friend gave you a gift, would you be excited to receive it? Probably, depending on the yeah. friend, but most likely. Right? Like if it's wrapped in a nice little box yeah. and you know, there's yeah, on top, like you'd be excited, right? And you'd open yeah. it. And no matter what the gift was, you'd be appreciative. Mm. I think what I've realized is that the most important mindset that I've developed in the last 10 years is having that same philosophy towards everything that's happening in my life. So mm. whatever life gives me, whatever failure, whatever lesson. And this is what I aspired is, or at least what I aspired to experience. But I hope that all of the lessons and everything I've learned has prepared me to at least be curious about the gifts that life's are, that life is giving me and always have that mindset where I'm trying to look at what's happening for me. Because if I would have gone back and gotten any of the things I actually wanted, I wouldn't have the life I have now. And so sometimes it's good to not know what you want. Yep. Just do your what's in front of you. And when you do your best with what's in front of you, somehow, some way, the next opportunity is always going to be around the horizon and around the corner, as long as you get out of your own way, which is usually facing fear. Yeah. Right. And we're the only ones usually holding ourselves back. What do you say to people who, you know, I think people hear that, that advice about, you know, life happens for you, 
not to you. And it's like, oh, that sounds great when good things are happening, or maybe you make a mistake in your business. But when you're dealing with a serious illness or tragedy, and, and I know you've probably had a couple in your own life as well, you know, how do you make that mindset shift on that? How do you see those things? Actually, so it's funny. The biggest catalyst that made me realize that was death. I mean, I had a mentor who worked 37 years at the same company when I was first starting my company, uh, die of a heart attack three months before retirement. And he was my cubicle mate, one of the first guys that really taught me how to be a corporate guy. Like he had been a lifer. So he'd spent 37 years at the same company. He couldn't yeah. wait to retirement. His wife had just retired the week before. And, you know, it was sad. And everyone there, there were 60 people who looked at that experience. And I was the only one who took that and made it mean something for me. And I could have not done that. I could have blamed the world not being fair. I could have, I could have done a lot of things. But that was a catalyst for me for profound change. I, I, my company became successful. My company is built, stay grounded, Java Press. All my companies are built on that story and that change and what that happened. And that made a profound impact on me. And so I think it's, it's hard in the moment. It's really hard, but I think it's hard in the moment because we're only looking at our timelines as what's in front of us. But if you believe that there's more to your story, if you just stretch the timeline out, like there's more to your life than what's right in front of you, then this has to be a part of all of the things you're experiencing. And I'm not going to be the one to tout that it's easy, especially when you get hit with a layoff, right? Layoffs are a big one. Um, like when you're working in industry tanks or 9-11 happens or like you lose everything, right? Like those are things that are out of your control. And I think in that moment, the only thing you can control is how you choose to act in that moment, right? right. Like you can make a, one of two choices. You could either choose to take this as a lesson or try to find the lesson, even if the lesson's not obvious in that moment, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't change the reality that's happening. Like it, the reality is not changing. So you could either choose to find the lesson or you could choose not to. And I think that fundamental choice in those moments are what make or break people. Like in those pitfalls, in those rock bottom moments, like that's when you really decide what you're made of. Those choices, those are really the things that define our lives. And I think that's something I've become so aware of, just the power of choice. Like we all have the power to choose what we want to perceive and see in the world. You can choose to see the world as abundant and filled with opportunity and filled with all of this, like, like just you can love and, and all of this, or you can choose the opposite. It doesn't change the reality. It'll change your reality, yep. but reality itself is not changing. Reality is going to be happening before you, it was happening before you were born. Mm-hmm. It'll be happening after you're dead. The universe, the world, all of this is already happening. It's just, what do you choose to see? And what do you want your life to mean? And I think when you answer those two questions, honestly, and when you take ownership in that, that was another lesson, taking ownership. Yeah. Right? Like It goes hand in hand with that belief that life happens for you. For you. Like when life happens for you, it's like you're taking ownership of everything that comes your way. And I think that was something that set me free. Like the second I started taking ownership of everything in my life, it didn't matter if it was my fault or not. Yep. Like that's when I actually had the freedom to, to break out of the, the cycles that I had built for the, the shackles that I had put on myself. 
Oh yeah. Like, I didn't wait for people to give me permission to be successful. I didn't wait no. for people. To, I didn't wait for my parents to give me and the green light. And you stop blaming people either. You spend, you eliminate so much misery. Yeah. There you go. Misery. And misery is a heavy weight to carry. Yeah. Like misery, suffering, all of these things are like, they're, pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Yeah. Right? Like pain, you're always going to have pain in life. Things are going to hurt. Things are going to make you cry. Things are going to make you angry. And those are okay to express. Like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. Right? But by choosing to allow yourself to experience all these different dimensions of life, you eliminate suffering. Hmm. Right? So when you play in choice, you don't suffer. And when you don't suffer, things feel lighter. And when things feel lighter, you just get more out of life. You experience more out of life. And you honestly have an easier time not staying in your own way. True. Anyways. I love it. So yeah, the great, the, the great outlook. Things happen for you. Take complete ownership of everything. Stop complaining, blaming others. One of the questions I was going to ask you is, how do we be more intentional in 2020 and really have the best year ever? And it sounds like that's, that's really the mantra there. Anything else you'd add to that? Yeah. I mean, I would start with you know, a simple practice of gratitude every day. You know, like if you're going to make this very practical, obviously a lot of the stuff I talked about was pretty, you know, up in the air and it's more yeah. life philosophies, but I really got to that point after practicing simple habits of just, you know, really being grateful every day. Every single morning I write down a list of like 10 things that I'm grateful for. And what gratitude does and without even you realizing it is like, if you let something bad that happened to you sit long enough without you reflecting on it, it turns into a good thing. Mm. Like, just think about any bad experience in your life, where no matter what you've gone through, like, if you let time pass long enough, the blessings start becoming very obvious. And I think that's the beautiful part of gratitude is that it reframes that things are happening to me to things that are happening for me. You know, you become what you practice. So when you practice gratitude, over time, you naturally start to just make these distinctions in the moment. And when you make those distinctions in the moment, it just you change your life, really. You change the lens you're wearing and you start to, you just start to be more like yourself. You begin to be more like the self you've, you've always wanted to be. And, you know, like we spend once a year at Thanksgiving practicing gratitude and it's beautiful. Like don't the holidays always feel great? Not for everybody, but like, there's always like, it's like the reflective time of the year towards the end of the year. That time of the year is always like a, let's wrap this up with a bow and let's move on. There's a sense of completion. And I think that completion is happening because gratitude is more abundant in the air. And I think if you can just practice gratitude consistently, you'll naturally begin to apply more intention because you're looking at all the experiences in your life and you're trying to decipher what they mean to you. Yeah. And that's just a great way to add intention into a busy, busy, busy day. I love it. They can change your your day, week, and year. Raj, you are out there in addition to you're running this coffee business. You're out there doing a lot of speaking now. I see you doing a lot of different things. What is your purpose, your mission now? What's your big goal? What are you driving for, toward? For me, I'm inspired to help people live full and intentional lives. I'm really inspired. And I'm inspired, I'm inspired to use business as a vehicle to help people do that. So launching really cool companies, uh, investing in great projects that are giving back to communities, really creating content that gives people the tools to, to wake themselves up to their own greatness, creating frameworks and courses and building real change. And I think that's what excites me. And I, I think 
I've gotten to this point now where I don't even need a reason to do it. It's more like, it's just fun. Like I love it when everybody wins. It excites me so much when I can build a company that inspires a customer to do something amazing or when I can create a podcast episode that inspires somebody to go have a conversation with their parents or when Mm -hmm. I can like do something that just inspires some element of change or some element of like fire inside you to keep going. Like that's what really keeps me going. Like I love, I love the impact and I love the way the impact makes me feel. And I love the buzz and the energy that I get from living this life. And um, I like to see what I'm made of too. I'm really actually excited about that. Like, I like pushing myself to limits and, you know, just seeing how far I can take this thing. And that's something that I think drives me every single day. I love it. Uh, You and I are on a very similar mission to not only get the most out of life, but inspire more people, help more people live life intentionally, um, improve their lives and uh, both out there doing things. I love to see all the stuff you're doing and uh, it's inspiring to me, which is cool. Uh, For anybody listening who wants to get more out of life and, you know, follow their dreams, What's one more piece of advice you would give before we go? Love yourself enough to create the life you want. Mm. Like, I think we're, and I read this quote on Instagram the other day, and it was about like most of the time when you're starting to change your life, like, and you have people around you, there's always the question of why can't you just be happy with what you have? Mm -hmm. And yes, we talked a lot about gratitude and things today. And those are practices you can have to build more love in your life and more gratitude for the things you do have, but you're worth it. Like you, you deserve all the things you want and it doesn't make you a bad person for wanting those things. So if you want something, you get to have it because why the hell not? Like, why not you? And last thing you should ever do is let someone else dictate how much you're allowed to love yourself because you are allowed to love the hell out of yourself as many different ways as you want to. Yes. Agree. That's awesome. Raj, for anybody listening who uh, wants to connect or follow you, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, you can go to uh, rajana.com. Go to uh, the Stay Grounded podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all over the internet. Uh, You can go to Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Send me a message. If anything resonated on this episode, please message me. I love hearing, hearing, hearing from people who heard content and, and anything resonated. So feel the same way. Raj, we're on a similar mission. I love everything you're doing. It has been fantastic to catch up with you and and share some of your knowledge today. So thank you again for coming on and sharing on the Andy Stort Show. Cheers, brother. All right, take care. 